Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. Welcome in to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil joined by a very, very special guest, Kyle McDonald. How are you, Kyle? I'm good. I love that. I'm a very, very special guest. Uh, <laughs> It's a welcome sign from, from the Western Athletic Conference, Rachel. We appreciate all the work you put in. I know it's not easy to keep up with all these teams, and you do it day in and day out. So we appreciate you, Kyle. Well, I got some good contributors that have done a great job this year, and uh, I think with the expansion that you know is going to be happening, it's just going to get bigger. So it's been a pleasure, and uh, we appreciate the support that we get from everyone around the conference as well with regard to, to what we do. I'm happy to hear that. Well, Eric and I are getting ready to head out to Vegas. We will be leaving tomorrow, so Tuesday, March 9th. And I know you'll also be joining us out there, Kyle? Yeah, I'll be flying in early Wednesday morning. I'm going to probably try to get some breakfast at maybe Hash House of Go-Go, get my giant pancake on before, you know, going over to the Orleans for the basketball games. Uh, It's going to be a fun weekend, you know. Women's side starts it off on Wednesday, men's side goes Thursday, and then it all, you know, all culminates in the semifinals and the finals on Friday and Saturday. So it'll be fun. Well, let's talk about that first game for both of you. Seattle U, New Mexico State, exciting, four and five seed there. What are you both looking at for that game? I don't know about Eric, but I, I think it'll be interesting to see New Mexico State women and both men and women are like red hot coming into this WAC tournament. And let's just face it, the Aggies know how to win at WAC Vegas. Like, it's no surprise that they, like, it wouldn't surprise me if New Mexico State women end up winning the WAC tournament. I, I know that people will say, well, you're crazy because of what CBU's doing, what GCU's done this year. But the Aggies, it doesn't matter, men or women, they know how to win. So um, Seattle's going to have their hands full. And, and the thing is, Seattle's been good all year, but they've struggled down the stretch swept by GCU, you know, last week. And then they had to play CBU this past weekend. So it's one team's red hot. One team's probably ice cold, Eric. I, I feel like coming into this ter- this tournament this week. Yeah, very intriguing game to start with. This will be our, our 1 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN Plus game. And Seattle U, as you mentioned, not uh, not getting a lot of momentum coming in, but is a team that can play with anybody, especially with Bree Calhoun, and Mackenzie Williams, two of the best guards in the conference. Bree Calhoun leading the conference in steals, 3.4 per game, number six in the nation. Mackenzie Williams can also get red hot. And this is a team that's, you know, nobody beats CBU. So nobody's, you know, getting those two losses. And then GCU, of course, one of the better teams. And remember going into that series, they were tied uh, heading in. So it was kind of to see where the, the Red Hawks would wind up. New Mexico State did play at Chicago State. Uh, this past week, a team that uh, hasn't won a game yet, but they did look pretty good. And go back to WAC Vegas last year, New Mexico State, kind of in a similar situation. I think they were the five seed playing the four seed UTRGV and won that game. And as I recall, pretty handily uh, before we had to, of course, abandon the tournament with the COVID breakout. But I'm very excited to see this because I think it presents a lot of interesting matchups and and both teams remember Seattle U a few years ago got red hot and went to the NCAA tournament so both teams have the ability to get hot and potentially uh, go far into the tournament that was going to be my point there is that Susie Barcombe knows how to get her team pumped up for the tournament because I swear they always kind of come in as this underdog and then they end up winning games and they yeah. did Utah Valley right as a as a seven seed last year as well mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was crazy to think about that. That Utah Valley got on the bus right after that game and headed home that night. Um, it, it it comes down to one game. I mean, everybody talks about well, they want to get to the WAC tournament championship game. If you don't win on Wednesday, your season's over. So it's about who plays better, who wants it more in this one game scenario. And then you know, if when you get to that second game, you focus on. But like you said, both teams very capable. They were right there in that mix for that two seed two, three weeks ago, and then Seattle dropped off. Mexico State had the loss, you know, in El Paso to Tarleton State. They kind of knocked them out of that discussion. Um, So it's just about who wants it more in a game like this, in a situation like this. 
anyone could come out a winner. Looking at the next game on the slate, number two, Utah Valley versus number seven, Chicago State. Chicago State yet to win a game on the season, like Eric mentioned. How does Utah Valley make sure that they don't get upset? Is it crazy for me to say that since 2020, 21 has been so crazy that like this could be the game that Chicago State wins? Like I'm, that's not a bold take because I'm not predicting Chicago State to win the game. I'm just saying with all the craziness of from where we are from one year ago to now, anything could happen. Let's put it that way. But I just don't think that Chicago State has the size or the depth to match up with Utah Valley. Josie Williams, one of the best centers, if not the best center in the WAC, along with Brittany Thomas from CBU and Katie Scott from GCU. But Maria Carvalho, she's she's been playing really well down the stretch. And let's face it, Utah Valley is red hot too. I mean, they swept their final two series of the season. Um, you know, and they went down to Edinburgh and swept that series against UTRGB. And then they went to Stephenville like two days later and swept Tarleton State in the season. So you know, plus Chicago State with its travels, it's just going to be the only way that Utah Valley loses this game is if they give it away, basically, because they're just a better team right now. Yeah, Utah Valley, number two seed. And the thing to keep in mind here, Rachel, is California Baptist is the number one seed. They went 22 and 0, best team in the conference. So it was a 25 game win streak dating back to last year, but they cannot go to the NCAAs. So the predetermined way of selecting a team if CBU were to win the tournament is the highest seed in the regular season. So even if Utah Valley and Grand Canyon wind up playing in the semifinals and Grand Canyon wins and then loses to CBU in the championship game, Utah Valley would go to the NCAAs. Now, I don't know, there were so many scenarios that could have happened. I mean, who could have imagined something like that could happen in this? Cause you figure, okay, regular season is a better indicator than somebody getting hot in a tournament, but that is a scenario that could play out. But it, in regards to this first game, yeah, Utah Valley against Chicago state, we've talked about it all year. Chicago state, I think is much better than they were last year, even though they did get a win at CSU Bakersfield last year. But as Kyle mentioned, the depth, the, the size, especially against a team like Utah Valley, uh, it would be very tough to overcome. And I, I think they only played six or seven players this past weekend. So that, that's been a, a big hurdle for Tiffany Sarden to overcome. But every single game they have played hard. It, it's just a matter of them putting two halves together. But I want to make one thing clear. And Clint Berg of the SID, Associated SID at Utah Valley, he said this to me, you know, this past week. He's like, I don't want to face GCU in the semifinals and lose to them. Like I want to win the tournament period because that would look extremely awkward that Utah Valley, you know, and this is if GCU doesn't win the tournament, but they beat Utah Valley in that semifinal game. It would look extremely awkward if Grand Canyon played for the WAC championship, beat Utah Valley, but yet Utah Valley still goes to the NCAA tournament because technically Grand Canyon didn't get those two games against Chicago state. It's just a, chaotic scene but you know Utah Valley doesn't want to lose that semifinal game when we get to it so that was an interesting quote from Clint Berge though really chips on both of their shoulders right there for that semifinal game as long as Utah Valley obviously continues on so I will I mean we'll see right come Friday it could be very very interesting to see how that game goes down of course, we have to get through Wednesday first, but uh, last game on the slate for Wednesday is GCU and UTRGV. So how can the Vaqueros shut down freshman phenomenal player, Katie Scott? I, I don't know if it's necessarily about shutting down Katie Scott. I think it's about handling the pressure. I mean, Molly Miller's crew, they, they average, what, almost 20 turnovers a game, forced turnovers a game. It, it's about handling that pressure. And if you can't handle it, you're going to get run out of the gym. I mean, that's just what they're all about. I think I talked to her on the podcast, the Wack Hoops Digest podcast earlier before they played uh, Utah Valley. And she said, it's all about the effort that you can put, that you can control, which is on the defensive end. You know, if you do that, then you're going to be able to control other things within the game, but control the effort on the defensive end. And that's what GCU is all about. Katie Scott, amazing freshman season which it shouldn't surprise anybody because she was the Missouri Gatorade player of the year coming in. So 
uh, and Molly Miller's a winner. I mean, it's, it's simple as that. I mean, I think she what, lost one game in the last three years over at Drury College before she came to Grand Canyon. So I just think it's if UTRG can handle some pressure from the guard, from the GCU guards, maybe they can stay in it. But again, it comes down to that depth. And I just don't know that UTRGV has the depth, even with Amara Graham, to hang with GCU. Plus, sorry, I'm taking up too much time here, but <laughs> plus, like Rachel said, there's a huge chip on GCU's shoulder after the fact that they don't get that two seed. So you know that there's even more motivation there and maybe even more after seeing the men win the WAC regular season title the way that they did. I just think the chip on that, the GCU women's shoulders is just going to, I don't even think this game is going to be close to be honest with you. Well, the way the the season played out, uh, GCU didn't get to play Chicago state, which I mean, let's be, let's be fair here. They probably would have got two more wins there and potentially could have been the number two seed, but given what they have, uh, Katie Scott, you mentioned, uh, leading scorer in the WAC, 16 and a half points per game, leading three point shooter in the WAC. I think that's kind of underestimated as part of her game, shooting 49% from three point. But uh, the other part of that is she only plays about 20 minutes a game because of that pace that you were talking about, Kyle, with GCU going up and down. So they are a, a very tough matchup. Uh, Amara Graham's having a very good year. I, I haven't quite figured out what what is with uh, UTRGV this year because they, they can play well in spurts, but haven't quite put it together. It could be this whole strange season, but Lane Lord's a very good coach. And actually these two coaches go way back as it turns out. Uh, Lane Lord, of course, was a high school coach in Kansas uh, and recruited many of the same uh, players and, and played. He was a division two coach at Pittsburgh State and uh, played against Drury uh, and Molly Miller. So these two coaches go way back. I think he knows her from when she was a player also at Drury. So that, that'll be a fun part of this uh, game. But uh, yeah, GCU, a uh, very good team this year. And, and they're a lot of fun to watch. So I'm looking forward to that one. Eric, I think for you too, you're talking about UTRGV. They only played three games in the month of January. Right. Because of COVID breaks. So it's hard to probably get that chemistry really going when you only got three games and then you're going on two week breaks. Like it's not a lot of time to really connect there. But like you mentioned, both of you, exciting. I'm excited for these games. <laughs> and then uh, California Baptist getting the bye uh, this mm -hmm. year, which is a little different than we've had in years past. And that, that'll be the team to, to watch. I mean, Annie Aleda the WAC player of the year, Brittany Thomas, first team all WAC, Jared Olson, coach of the year, all very well deserving of those awards. And, uh, you know, if they win the tournament, we, USA Today just did an article on them. I think Sports Illustrated had something on them. So they're getting some national attention being the only 22-0 team in the nation right now. Well, and one, and of the, one of the things that about that Sports Illustrated article was that they'd be one of the, I can't remember if there were multiple teams or if they'd be one of the maybe two or three teams that have, gone undefeated, won their conference tournament, but can't play in the NCAA tournament? Or is it that will be the only school that won't be able to play in the NCAA tournament that's done that before? So it's an interesting storyline for CBU. I mean, they've been dominant the whole season. I, I don't – they haven't – their only close game in conference play, there was one against uh, Grand Canyon in that series, and then the first game in Seattle was a little bit closer than I it think was. they would have liked. So – what Jared Olson and is done there, it's been great. And talking to him on the podcast, it's about developing and getting the right people in there and the right players and that they've bought in. And so it's just he did say he's trying to recruit Ane Oleta and those seniors to come back for another year <laughs> because they're eligible. So hey, he did point out that he's too. trying to work on that too. So watch out for the Lancers. And they also, uh, we, we should also mention, they have also uh, accepted a bid to the WNIT already since they were the regular season champion. And uh, that, that's a big deal for CBU and only their third year in division one. So it's going to be my next point. So Kyle didn't mean to cut you off is that no matter what happens in the WAC tournament, they're not done because they have accepted that bid. So no matter what they're going to continue, I know they want to keep that hot streak going. They've been adding those fire emojis to this uh, name on Twitter. So I know they want to keep do? that going. Although I think they did run out of room. Did they? So, Can they go I, to like 30 or something? Or? Yeah, they did I, run out of room. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they did run out of room already. But I know they want to just keep that one going. <laughs> Sad thing is, is they had a game against nationally ranked Oregon mm -hmm. uh, scheduled in between, I believe it was uh, GCU 
and another series there uh, that I think is New Mexico State and GCU. They had that um, Oregon game scheduled and it got canceled. That would have been good to see them playing against a ranked opponent, uh, see where they're at. So unfortunate there, but I mean, they're still, I believe it's number eight in the College Insider mid-major top 25 poll right now. So yeah, big things from the CBU women this year. Big things. All right, Kyle, I have to ask you, I'm not going to ask Eric this question since he works in the conference office, but I will ask you this. You think there's going to be an upset? I mean, nine, 10 or nine times out of 10, there's at least one upset in a tournament. Who are you taking as the upset? Uh, on the women's uh, side, we're sticking women. Sticking on the women's side. Wow. Are we going all the way to the championship game or just for the first you know, quarterfinals here? Let's just do the whole tournament. Oof. Uh, the only one that I could, well, maybe there's two. So I may get, you know, hit up by my the people at Utah Valley for saying this, but I, I think GCU upsets the Wolverines in the semifinals. I don't see an upset on the other side. I, I think that, you know, uh, Seattle, I think beats New Mexico state. Actually, I think they come in and ready to play and, and get things done. And then CBU, I think, rolls into the final like they've done all season. But I think GCU beats Utah Valley in that semifinal. And that's really the only upset I can see. Like, I, GCU is really good. And maybe that chip on their shoulder gives them a little bit more edge in the championship game. But CBU is just too deep and too good. Plus, Brittany Thomas is playing out of her mind right now for the Lancers. Um, and she, she matches up well with Katie Scott. So yeah, the only one I'll see is say is GCU over Utah Valley in those semifinals, just because of the, I think the chip is a little bit bigger on GCU shoulders than it is on Utah Valley shoulders. Well, we will see what happens, but we are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk some men's hoops. We'll be right back. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now back to Eric and Rachel. And welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner, Rachel B. Hill, joined by Kyle McDonald. Talking men's WAC Vegas tournament now. Gentlemen, I am so excited for these upcoming games this next week, starting off with CBU and Seattle U. This is a wild series, Eric. I, th- I mean, I'll let you go first because I got some thoughts on this series for you. Well, our, our WAC uh, spotlight game this past week was Seattle U at California Baptist and when we put these schedules together, we always want to, you know, have everybody involved. And this was one I thought, oh, last week of the season, I, I, these two should, still should have something to play for because we've had other times where, you know, seedings have been determined and and maybe the, the games aren't, aren't the greatest. One point ball game, both games this week, they split, obviously. Uh, you talk about a four or five matchup that could go either way. This is it. They both have stars. They, they have multiple stars on each team that can take over games and CBU, especially Ty Rowell having a fantastic season. I know, Kyle, uh, you, you have a story coming out on him on uh, WAC Hoops Digest uh, later this week. And Gorjak Gak, I, I think, exceeded all expectations this year. But on the other side, uh, Darion Trammell. <laughs> this is a name uh, Rachel and I have struggled with all year because I figured like Trammell, but it's Trammell and it's Darion, not Darion. What a player he has been in the City College of San Francisco storyline with the three guys from, from City College playing for Jim Hayford this year. But he, he's, he was a, a player of the year caliber type player this season, filling in for Terrell Brown, uh, who last year was one of the best players in the WAC and, of course, transferred to Arizona. But I, I think if you look at the stats, uh, Darian or Darion might have actually had a better season than Terrell did last year. So uh, right out of the gate, that's going to be a 4:30 game on Thursday. ESPN Plus can't wait for that one either. Yeah, so sto- couple of storylines here. So Darian Trammell was on CBU's like final list of guys they wanted to go after to bring in as a point guard. So that's one. So there's a little bit more motivation for the Lancers. Two is like you said, Trammell was brought in to fill those that void left by Terrell Brown and Jim Jim Hayford. I mean he finds these point guards. I don't know where he finds them at, but like he's Darren Trammell is one of the smallest guys on the floor, but yet he plays like a giant. I mean, 
I watched him in Seattle when we were up there for Seattle, Utah Valley. And I was amazed at how, how high he gets off the floor on his jump shot, how quick he is. And just the fact that he attacks. So I, I love that storyline with Darian Tremel, you know, just what he can do on the floor. And you talked about the other one. Every time CBU and Seattle meet, somehow it comes down to the final possession of a game. Even think about last year when they played in Riverside, Milan Aqua had to hit a game-winning shot to beat the Red Hawks. So, like, these two teams, and the other thing is there's no love lost between these two teams. I mean, it was chippy in the second half on Saturday that, like, it got to the point where, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to leave it at that from what I've heard and from what I saw. It's going to be a fun four or five matchup. Um, you know, you talked about CBU's guards as well with Tyrell, Reed Nottage, Mark Carbone can hit the three at any time, Trey Armstrong, and Gorjak Gak averaging 14 plus points a game, 10 plus boards a game. Just has been really good for them. And Elijah Thomas has come on really well for the Lancers late. Uh, you know, but then again, you got Riley Grigsby and Nate Robinson for Seattle, who have played really well down the stretch. That's going to be a fun four or five game to kick off the men's side of the bracket for sure. Who has the bigger chip on their shoulder? Ooh, I don't know on that one. I, I think it's pretty even. I mean, you got CBU who's doesn't get to, you know, go to the NCAA tournament if they win the WAC tournament, but they're playing in their first one. They're ready to compete. Seattle, you know, nobody really, I don't want to say nobody's. Some of us take them serious, but others don't give them a lot of credit for what they do because they're scheduled, they're 500 most years, but that's because they go out and play some of the better teams around the country. I, I don't know. I think it's pretty even with the chips. I, I really do. Eric, yeah, I have to say I was impressed with Nate Robinson in particular on, on Friday as a guy who seems to be emerging and going back to that City College of San Francisco story, he was actually the first one Coach Hayford recruited and Tramel was the third guy of that group that he recruited. And he, of course, Tramel winds up having the, the best season of the three. But I, I think, um, yeah, both teams, I mean, you can't say neither one as, as a bigger chip. I think they're both very uh, anxious to, to get it uh, underway here on Thursday. And then the winner gets to play Grand Canyon, the number one seed in the tournament. And uh, I believe both teams uh, knocked off Grand Canyon during the regular season. So as we try to project forward, whoever wins this game, you know, has, has that uh, W under their belt uh, against Grand Canyon. I wonder too, if Aaron Nettles will be back. He was, he's missed, um, what was it, the Grand Canyon series? I think he missed both those games due to a hand injury. And then he missed this past weekend at California Baps with a hand injury. So we'll see if he's back because he gives him another offensive spark as well. He's been the starting one of the, the other starting guard for Jim Hayford. Um, so that'll be interesting to see there, but yeah, it, it's going to be a fun, fun game. You know, like I said, to tip off this tournament because this game could go either way, the way they both shoot the ball, the way they defend and the way that like it could go from a 27, 25 game to like a 57, 55 game in like five minutes because of how well they both shoot the ball and how they get up and down the floor. One last point I'm going to make just before we head on to the next game for Thursday is the fact that CBU has done so well for as much as Milan Aqua did for them in the past years, they've done so well that I almost forgot about him playing and being such a big impact this year. Well, it's because we didn't get to see him in the WAC tournament. <laughs> I mean, if we would have got to see him in the WAC tournament, then you wouldn't be, we wouldn't have forgotten about him, but uh, no, I, it's just because Rick Croy, I mean, he, has these players that have bought in that have worked their way up like a Tyrell, like Eric said, I have an article coming out, you know, prior to that game on Thursday. Um, it, it, they just have bought into the fact that you got to work to get to where you're at. And, um, you know, and they don't, besides Milan, I mean, you don't think about all the stats that those guys put up. It's just a consistent through the lineup. You have three, four guys that average double figures it's very balanced, but it's all guys that are maybe blue-collar workers that just want to compete and win. And Rick Croy getting the, the international flavor, too, with Gorjak Gak transferring from Florida, but uh, from Australia, and Reed Nottage from Australia, and Ty Rowell from Canada, and five new starters this year. Not only are they missing Milan Aqua, it was Dejan Davis, and all five starters from last year's team not back. 
on the flip side of that, uh, Jim Hayford with four new starters. Like Riley Grigsby was the only returning starter for Seattle U this year. So going into the season, we were like, we had no idea what either team was going to look like. And I think both teams look pretty good right now. Yeah. Uh, that's a great storyline about the new rosters. I didn't even think about that for a minute. I'm, I'm glad Eric brought that up. <laughs> Me too. Very, very happy Eric brought that up. You might be hearing that on the broadcast come Thursday <laughs> afternoon. Alrighty. Going on to the next game for Thursday slate, though. New Mexico State, not the number one seed this year, going up against UTRGV. What has to happen for the Aggies to continue on? Well, I mean, they've won three in a row. They've already beat UTRGV a week ago. We could go today, actually, because we had a rare midweek Tuesday game. Mm-hmm. Tuesday morning game at that, too. It wasn't in Tuesday. El Paso. In El Paso, <laughs> Texas. So, you know, if the Aggies rebound like they did at, at Dixie State this past weekend, they can't be beat. I mean, I'm, it's, it's just a true story because if they dominate the boards, that means they're defending, and it, it, it they just – they're just too good in that situation. Uh, Chris Jans mentioned it after Saturday night that he really challenged his guys because they weren't going to be whack regular season champions, but he challenged his guys Saturdays with a, you know, the must win mentality because that's what they're going to be facing this week. And I mean, they went out and really dominated Donnie Tillman, the UNLV transfer had a big night on Saturday. Johnny McCants has looked better this week. Evan Gilliard is just doing what he does as a point guard. Jabari Rice has looked like he has a little bit more bounce in his step, dealing with injuries earlier on this season. Um, and like we've talked about, they just know how to win in Las Vegas. It's like they're home away from home. I mean, they've had like three different homes away from home this year. So, um, I don't know. I, You know, people will say, well, they didn't win the WAC champion, the regular season championship, so maybe, you know, give somebody else the coach of the year. But – when people understand and realize what the Aggies have dealt with, with having not being able to practice as a team early on to having to move to Phoenix for 60 plus days to not being able to play games at the Pan Am center to all the pauses that they had to go on. I mean, it's probably one of, if they win the WAC tournament, first off, I won't be surprised Two, it'll be one of Chris Jans's best jobs as a head coach. Yeah, Chris Jans, obviously one of the head best coaches in the WAC, if not the entire country. And they're, they're one through 12. I mean, they have so much depth on the team. And I, I think having all those pauses and moving, they haven't quite got that gel together yet like they normally do. Although we did see it this past weekend at Dixie State and getting those two wins and getting that win against UTRGB. So they got some momentum heading into the tournament. But it just seems that... They don't have the same cohesion that they have in years past, but again, would not be at all surprised in the tournament. I mean, a, a guy like Marcus Watson or, or another new player could emerge, you know, somebody we're not even thinking about right now. They have that much depth that could have a 20, 30 point game in the tournament. On the other side, UTRGV, I mean, our, you know, our hearts go out to them with their passing of Lou Hill uh, just only a month ago. I mean, that's hard to believe, you know, with, with everything that's been going on. And they were eight and four at that time. And they have, as you can imagine, they, they have not uh, had a, a great season since then. And in a tournament situation, you know, is this going to be a win one for coach type of deal? But also they've had some attrition within their own program. I think that's also hurt them on the court. Yeah, that uh, uh, let's be real about what Mexico State dealt with a lot early on. They've been able to have consistency since then. UTRGV, I mean, they played those two games against Dixie, you know, swept the Trailblazers, and everyone's just thinking, all right, this is the team that's going to kind of come in and maybe knock off New Mexico State for the regular season title. They have all the pieces in place. And then the Grand Canyon series gets canceled. I was so mad about that because I was looking forward to going to South Texas that, that weekend. Never been there, so I was looking forward to that. Anyways, but that gets canceled. Then they play Texas State that Sunday. Lou Hill's on the sidelines. And then, you know, we all know the news that we woke up to on Sunday. Uh, And then it's just, it's all kind of like been a domino effect for the Vaqueros. Yeah, they had the win over the non-D1 opponent, but they didn't win a conference game after that. Sean Ray, their best player at the time, the leading one of the leading scorers in the WAC at the time, and 
possibly a whack player of the year candidate at the time. He decides to transfer right before the Utah Valley series or enter the transfer portal, I should say. So there's just so many things that have happened to the Vaqueros and in a short amount of time that they haven't been able to really adjust. Um, the thing is that going back to what I said about the women on the Chicago state women, what would be crazier than UTRGV coming in and saying, we're going to win one for Lou Hill and knocking off New Mexico state. I mean, it, it wasn't like the, the Aggies were, they blew out UTRGV last Tuesday. And it's not like UTRGV doesn't have pieces in place. Um, it's just been a tough go. And you think about who they had to face. They had to face Utah Valley on the road, Mexico State in El Paso, and Tarleton State, who's played really well. So it's just been a lot for the Vaqueros, at least in this short amount of time. And it's interesting storyline that both teams have had to face a ton of adversity this year, um, unlike any other programs around the WAC, that it's it's kind of an intriguing matchup, to be honest. I'm sure it's going to be an emotional time for them to come out to Vegas. And like you mentioned, Eric, you know, them coming out uh, for a let's win one for coach type thing. But looking back on that game last Tuesday, what do the Vaqueros keys to the games need to be to beat the Aggies? Well, I would say, I mean, Javon Levi, uh, you know, who's, it seems like he's been in the whack for about uh, six or seven years, but he's a, a senior this year and two-time defensive player of the year. They, I, I think they have to do that 90 minutes of, of hell, the old Nolan Richardson style and Lou Hill style, and, and just try to get the uh, New Mexico State Aggies to turn the ball over as many times as possible. But the problem with that is New Mexico State's uh, so talented and have so many different guys that they can go to that uh, it, it would take uh, it would take a very special effort, I think, for ETRGV to, to be able to knock off the Aggies in this one. The problem is, Rachel, that that UTRGV doesn't have a true scorer in the paint. Don't get me wrong, Jeff O'Cherry's a big body and he can throw it down and you know he's a great rim protector, but he's not the scorer that Sean Ray was. So they're missing that aspect, which creates more problems on the perimeter because guys aren't knocking down shots as well. If if UTRGV's offense, if their guards hit shots on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, excuse me. They could knock off New Mexico State, but they haven't been able to get that offensive rhythm and that flow going. So we really haven't seen the good UTRGV team. Um, but yeah, they missed that interior scoring because Sean Ray was that guy. He would either, you know, hit hit buckets in the paint or you get to the free throw line. And UTRGV hasn't really done a lot of both since you know he left and since the lull after you know the first whack series. So I think Eric's right. It'll take a spirited effort for the the Carols to knock off the Aggies if that happens. Well, looking to the semifinals now, because Chicago State opted out of the season due to COVID, we have two buys, and those go to Grand Canyon and uh, UVU, Utah Valley. Let's start with GCU. They'll be playing the first game. So they'll play the winner of CBU Seattle U. I mean, for either team to advance to go to play GCU, it's going to be a fun matchup. I think that GCU here's the here's the thing. The last couple of weekends they've been kind of hot and cold. You know, one night they'll look good, the next night they'll look really bad. I mean, think about this past weekend against Utah Valley when it was for the whack outright regular season championship. GCU looked awful on Friday, and then Saturday it was like it was a whole different team. Same thing at Seattle two weeks ago. Friday night they looked awful. And then Saturday night, they scored 61 points in like 13 minutes. So the question is, which GCU team comes to play? And the last two times they've been to the WAC tournament, they've played in the semifinals where they beat Utah Valley. So that could be different, you know, where they're not going to see the Wolverines in the semifinals. Um, I know Alessandro Labor after Saturday night was like, that's what it's going to be all about is getting to that championship game and having another first, you know, winning the WAC tournament. I mean, as a senior, he's pretty motivated to do that. But you, you got to keep pounding the paint with Asbjorn Mitgard, Alessandro Labor, 
make, you know, make a defense collapse on those guys. So it opens up the three point line, the perimeter for your guards. Mikey Dixon shot the ball really well. Javon Blackshear just does every little thing. Um, and if Gabe McLaughlin has six or eight points or, you know, even in the double digits, GCU wins the game. If he doesn't play well off the bench, GCU normally loses. I'm just saying he's a difference maker for me. It's a great point, Kyle. And, and we've talked about as Bjorn Midgard ad nauseum on this show most of the year, but it's, it's a guy like Gabe McLaughlin who comes off the bench. He's the energy guy. Whenever they show the shot of the bench, he's the guy with the towel and the high five and, and you need guys like that. And he's also a very good player in his own right. He's a, he had a sports center top 10 dunk uh, earlier in the year. And it's guys like that, that I think are different about GCU this year than in prior years. Obviously Mitgard, they haven't had a guy like that. Nobody has a guy like that in the, well, I guess Utah Valley has a guy like that, but uh, a seven footer that can grab a lot of rebounds, but, and a big body, but also Bryce Drew and what he's meant to the team this year. Of course, Dan Marley was a longtime head coach and they, they went in a different direction this year. And Bryce Drew, he's been to the NCAA tournament with Valpo as a player and as a coach and with Vanderbilt. And now he's got GCU as the number one seed in the tournament. So that'll be interesting to see how that comes into play as we move along in the tournament. They're going to face either Jim Hayford or Rick Croy. Jim Hayford's been to the NCAA tournament with Eastern Washington. Rick Croy, obviously his first WAC tournament, but had CBU in the Elite Eight in Division Two. So uh, that that uh, will be uh, some interesting storylines to watch as well as we move along in the WAC tournament. You know, one thing I want to mention, I, it'll be interesting to see how Grand Canyon handles the pressure of being the one seed. And what I mean by that is you think about it, that school, it's all about basketball. They want their basketball team to be like the face of that university. And so they put so much money, they put so much marketing into it that like it's the face of their university. Now they get the chance to be the one seed. They don't have to face a Utah Valley or New Mexico State in the semifinals. They get the bye. They get their first whack regular season title. Um, but you saw this past weekend when they had a chance to win it outright, they came out flat in that first game. So that could be a little bit – that's why I say I wonder how they're going to handle the pressure. We'll see. They're senior-laden teams, so they, they have the experience. But, like – there's a lot of pressure on this team's shoulders to do what no other GCU team has done, which is go to the NCAA tournament. That is a good point that you made, though, because they haven't been able to win all of those Friday night games, and you only get one shot at this. There's no back-to-back now. Uh, you either win on Friday night or you go home. Like, that's it. It doesn't come down. You don't get to play the same team again on Saturday like you do all regular season. So it's going to be fun. But, uh, Kyle, I want to jump now to Utah Valley because I know you're – Big Wolverines fan, obviously, uh, being right around the area. Rachel just just caused a great deal of uh, stress for me on my Twitter timeline, everybody. No, honestly, I will, I'm just giving Kyle a hard time. He's been fantastic. I feel like you have remained so unbiased in covering all of the teams and just providing great information. So I was totally just kidding there, although you are very close to the Utah Valley area. Yeah, I, I mean, I graduated there, so there's a little bit, you know – I'm I'm a little I have a little uh I don't even want the what the word is. I I like my Wolverines, let's put it that way, but you know, I've come to love every team in the whack and giving everybody coverage and I just it it's been fun. So um I I have to admit that yes, I did graduate from Utah Valley, so there's a little bit of an uh uh of joy when I see the Wolverines win a share of the whack regular season title. Yeah, winning win a share of the title and you know, they came down to GCU and UVU last weekend, then they split. But uh, going back to the coaching aspect of things, Mark Madsen and the difference he's made at Utah Valley and the one through four. I mean, I, I talked about New Mexico State and their one through 12, but the one through four Utah Valley with Fardaz Amak and Evan Cole and Trey Woodbury and J.J. Overton, any one of those four guys can take a game over and not everyone has four guys like that. And I think that's that's a, what makes Utah Valley a little bit different. And then Mark Madsen, here's a guy, he's had all kinds of big game experience, whether it's in the NBA or when he was at Stanford or when, you know, when he was a teammate with Shaq and Kobe, he, he, he has a lot of knowledge about the game. And so that'll be interesting to see, you know, if it winds up being a New Mexico state or UTRGV against Utah Valley on Friday night, how those uh, wits will match up. 
Well, so let's think about this. So Mark Madsen has won twice in Phoenix at Grand Canyon in two years. Um, I love Mark Pope, but Mark Pope never won down in, in Phoenix during his time at Utah Valley. And if you think about it, last season, New Mexico State needed a banked-in three-pointer by Jabari Rice to beat the Wolverines in the Pan Am Center. Um, so Mark Madsen is doing – and this, here's the crazy thing. He had a, almost a whole new roster last season, and he has – nearly a whole new roster this season. Um, I mean, you think about Trey Woodbury and Jameson Overton were the only guys that saw time last year. Bardos was there, but he redshirted due to the transfer rules. Um, it's just, it's, it's very impressive, especially, you know, you think about their non-conference schedule. They didn't have a win against a division one opponent in their non-conference slate this year. But I mean, when you play BYU and, uh, you know, the Weaver States, the Southern Utah, who won the Big Sky Conference regular season title. I mean, it. Future WAC member. Right. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's, it's a very impressive. And here's the other stat. And, and this isn't a bias. This is fact. Okay, peeps. <laughs> Utah Valley hasn't lost a Friday night game since conference play began. They have won every Friday game since conference play began, even at Grand Canyon this past weekend. So they know how to win on a Friday night. Big question will be, would they be able to win on a Saturday? Um, you talked about those four starters, Evan Cole, Trey Woodbury, Jameson Overton, and Fardos Amak. I mean, yeah, they've been lights out. But recently, the bench has been really good for Utah Valley as well. Not like statistically speaking, but just the energy that they bring um, and to give spells to those four guys without losing a beat. Um, Tim Fuller. Uh, Jaden McClanahan, Latrey Darthard, even Colby Leafson comes off and hits a three-pointer every now and again. It'll be it'll be interesting, you know, whoever they face in that, you know, semifinal game on Friday night. The one thing I would love to see Utah Valley do more, and maybe this is just Mark Madsen's pro-style approach sometimes, when the Wolverines get out in transition – they are nearly unstoppable. And you can ask anybody that's probably watched the Wolverines play, the way Trey Woodbury and Jamison Overton run the floor, and even Evan Cole, like it's just Mark Madsen, just let him go. Like let I, – I, I, that's – it's kind of like uh, – what was that? Glory Road. When Bobby Joe Hill tells Don Haskins, hey, you got to let us play our game. Uh, you know, and he says, well, we play our game, but play my game as well. And then they go on to beat, you know, I think it was third ranked Iowa in that game. So when Utah Valley gets out in transition, they're very dangerous. And I know that if they face New Mexico State, Chris Jans knows that. And that's why they try to play a different kind of game. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing what Mark Madison's been able to do in his two years at Utah Valley. I talked to Bardos earlier today and there's a huge chip on that entire team's shoulder because of how low they were picked in the preseason coaches poll. They, and they fully recognized that. And he pretty much came out and told me, he was like, yeah, I know we were picked seventh and that's why we really want to win this whole thing. And it's that extra chip on your shoulder. Sometimes that can honestly make the world a difference. Well, I think about last year at WAC media day, I was there. Utah Valley was the last Mark Madsen was the last one to go. And we were on the same flight back. So I walked with him and Jared Sumption and Jason Erickson to through the airport and stuff. And we're walking to the gate and he asked me, Kyle, why did, why did you, why were we picked so low? Cause I think they were picked like sixth or seventh last year. Because yeah. all the new faces. I was like, Mark, you have just a bunch of new faces. You have guys that haven't played basketball. I mean, you have like one or two guys that have played the rest of your guys haven't played in a year or they haven't played division one basketball. I'll never doubt the Wolverines again, even with a new roster, because, I mean, we've seen what last year was kind of up and down. This year, look at what they did with the new roster in the WAC. Um, and here's the scary part for people, and people say I'm biased again. I'm going to keep throwing that out there, okay? <laughs> but Utah Valley loses one player for sure in Evan Cole. Jamison Overton, they're still trying to get back to bring back for another year, but you know, they may lose him, but the rest of that roster is intact for next year. So they go to the transfer portal and pick out a guy or two to fill those roles. Um, 
Plus, they've been playing without Jordan Brinson, the UAB transfer, who's been hurt the last few weeks, um, nagging injuries. And uh, I just uh, – he's he's setting his program up to be successful, not just one year, but, like, over, over time. And that's something I don't think we've seen at Utah Valley, you know, in a long, long time. Quick question, Kyle, when you're walking with Mark Madsen in the uh, airport, what kind of shoes was he wearing? Crocs, of course. <laughs> Always I was a little Crocs. disappointed that this year he was in his home court and he didn't have the Crocs on. Uh, he won't wear them while he's coaching. He'll, mm-hmm. he'll wear them like uh, when he's traveling. He's even worn them in practice, I think, or at least he has them in his office, takes them off to put on his tennis shoes and then puts them back on after practice. But yeah, he loves his Crocs. Don't, I think we were disappointed last year at WAC media day when he didn't have his Crocs on. You remember that he put on, some dress shoes, Rachel, he before he got in on his interview. So, uh, but no, the man loves his Crocs. And I, I think he's trying to sell most of his guys that about Crocs too, because a lot of them talk about that. So well, I'm sure it'll be a big storyline if Utah Valley were somehow to, to win the title about some something between Utah Valley going dancing. And of course, we'll see the old video of Mark Madsen dancing <laughs> on stage with Kobe and Shaq. That might be the, the, the intro video for their, you know, WAC championship celebration <laughs> video. So I, I think you're absolutely right there. And, uh, but I do know that I, I think rumor had it that after they were uh, celebrating after the Friday night's win, when they, you know, earned a share of the conference title, rumor has it that his dance moves are still a little rusty and he might've sprained his foot during the celebration. I just saying that's rumor, but I, 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 I did see that. What was that? Uh, did you break that story, Kyle? Yeah, I, my sources were pretty firm on that. So uh, it was part of maybe why they didn't have a post-game presser that night either. But So we'll have to anyway. see if he's wearing a walking boot on uh, Friday night. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fun. I mean, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Rachel will get back into this, but this year's men's tournament, it's anybody's game because there's so much parity in the league this year. Um, you know, it, it's just – We've seen it on these back-to-backs where one night one team goes off or wins a game or in the next night the other team does. It's just so much parity in the whack, and it's going to be a fun, fun tournament to to be a part of. I think one of the things that will be different, obviously, are the fans. Uh, If you remember back two years ago in Grand Canyon and all the havocs, it might have been the first year that they were able to come out. And then, of course, Coach Marley going into the stands and jumping around with them, that there's not going to be – I mean, that what, what is 125, something like that uh, per team, but it's not going to be, you know, the whole Havocs uh, taking over the Green Monster there and at the Orleans. So that'll be interesting, too, to see how teams are able to make their own energy. Obviously, it's a tournament, so it shouldn't be an issue, but just not having the fans to feed off of. New Mexico State also, they always travel well to WAC Vegas. So that that's uh, something to keep an eye on, but I, I think – we're used to this now. We've been watching uh, basketball now for how many months with no fans or very few fans. So, yeah, that that's one thing. I think the guys have played without fans, so I don't think it's going to necessarily have too big of an effect, but you know, like you said, playing on a neutral floor for a championship, you know, you always like to have that fan um, support behind you. It's great though, that there are going to be fans allowed in the arena and the even better thing is, is I'm going to get there Wednesday and I'm not going to go to the gym and wait five minutes for them to tell me that the tournament's canceled. At least I'm knocking on wood. Yes. That I was going to say, happen. Kyle, I'm going to come for you. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember walking into the, to, to the Orleans arena. I got my credential on Thursday morning. It was what GCU and CSU Bakersfield were going to play their game because it got canceled from the night before due to, you know, all the, uh, whatever happened that night. Um, precaution. Yeah, they, they, there was a player that, uh, that that was sick, and so we, you know, can't or postponed that game. And then we we're going to have five games on Friday, if you remember. We we're going to have the the women's last game, and then four men's games after that. Right. And I sat down next to Bill Hardy, and bam! Five minutes later, I see Adam Young walk by. Tourney's canceled, and that wasn't fun. So knock on wood that that's not going to happen this year and that we're going to, you know, get to see some fun games. All right. I'm changing this conversation because it's a little (laughs) sad looking back on last year. We're looking forward to the future now. So Kyle, you kind of already pointed out it that you knew me enough that I was going to ask you this question. So I want to know 
If you have to pick an upset game, who you're choosing and who you are choosing to win in the entire thing on the men's side. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> um, good question. I, 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 Do we have Jeopardy music that we can play? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, because this is going to spark outrage on my Twitter timeline too. So I'm not real thrilled about this, but at least it might not. Um, I think that New Mexico State wins it. Whoa. I, I really do. I, I I know GCU fans will be like, well, no, they're not that good. Well, yes, they are that good. Um, and as much as I would love to see Utah Valley get to that WAC championship game and, you know, possibly win it because I'm an alum there, I just think that New Mexico State's rolling right now. And the thing is, it's not just Chapari Rice, Evan Gilliard, you know, Johnny McCants. Clayton Henry's playing real well. Donnie Tillman's on fire right now. Uh, CJ Roberts, the Ranger College transfer, has been playing real well uh, for Chris Jans. And you could tell on Saturday night in his presser, Chris Jans has more confidence in his guys, more trust, which was something that he really lacked for a lot of these guys early on. Um, and, and, I mean, Chris Jans is undefeated in Las Vegas. So after last year with the conference tournament being canceled, with the NCAA tournament being canceled, now everything has come together for New Mexico State. And think about this. They played 13 of 14 conference games. The only other team to do that was Utah Valley. Yeah. So even with all the, the stuff that they had to deal with, Prior to commerce play starting, they're still the three seed. And I mean, everything's coming together for the Aggies. So I just, if anybody's going to be an upset, you know, create an upset, or I picked New Mexico State to win the, the WAC tournament this year again. That's going to wrap up this edition of the WAC podcast. Rachel B. Hill, Eric Danner, and Kyle McDonald. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see everybody in WAC Vegas. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.